Hello and welcome to Court Games, a Legend of the Five Rings podcast funded by the Legend of the Five Rings community Discord Patreon. This podcast will focus on the role-playing game stories and lore for Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Korvar. And I'm Kikita Kaori. And this week we're going to be looking at the new fiction, Heart of the Mountain. And we're also going to be doing a look at the mechanics and the lore for Glory in Legend of the Five Rings 5th Edition. These two topics might be related. They <laughs> a little might bit. possibly be, yeah. Um, a little bit of news this week, uh, not from FFG, unfortunately, but uh, we do have uh, two new actual play podcasts that have been released. Uh, one was released uh, June 12th, and it's coming out every Friday. And one was released today, which is June 15th, and that is coming out every Monday. Um, Of those two, uh, Crimson Gold Agonies is the one on Fridays, and it focuses on emergent narrative. So I think that's like Powered by the Apocalypse. Have you played that, Kura? Um, Not very much, but I know of it. I've I've read the rule, read various uh, Powered by the Apocalypse games and played a session or two all right well that's a lot more than me anyway mm. i believe that the under, my understanding of that system is that the mechanics are used there to steer the course of the narrative yeah and in crimson gold agonies they use them to steer the past the present and the future Ooh. um the other game is fortune and strife and that's a more traditional uh, l5r role-playing game experience and it's got Pretty fun characters and an engaging plot. And it tries to use the 5e mechanics in a way that's geared for gamers just interested in trying it out and hopefully hearing a a good story at the same time. So I'm excited because that came out just this morning. Yep. So I think everyone should check those out. I think those are going to be really, really cool. But we have stories. Yes. That's our news. Yeah. That was our news, and now we're going to have a look at the fiction Heart of the Mountain by Keith Ryan Capel, who's a new author for L5R. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is this is going to be an interesting one, especially when it comes to log nuggets, because <laughs> this is actually a story as told by Bioki, who's Yoritomo's cousin, about Yoritomo, along with Yoritomo's wife, Linmei, and the stormweaver, Kudaka, in um exciting adventure, let's put it that way, uh, rescuing, stealing, obtaining, <laughs> Indiana Jonesing, depending on your point of view, uh, the heart of the mountain, which is a disc of red jade from a volcano and escaping it, the explosion and resulting aftermath. <laughs> it's um, action packed, loads, loads of big budget kind of things going on. And witty repartee. Yes, lots of that, that too. Meant to inspire the children of the Mantis of Eurotoma's mythical status and how the Mantis deserved to be made a great clan. And also explaining uh, where Eurotoma got his very dashing scar from. Because I have a sneaking <laughs> suspicion it's a dashing scar, not, a, not the other one. I think he has uh, probably many, many stories as to how he got his dashing scar, but... I suspect so. 
all of them are nonetheless dashing. This is this is probably the most creative it's reason that I've cool. heard. And I mean, I got to say, there. Are, so so we do lore nuggets for each of these, and a lot of basically this all comes with a big asterisk, which is assuming any of this is true, because <laughs> we like seriously we haven't the faintest clue but uh, it's a really good fun read it it really Mm -hmm. is so i recommend you go check it out but let us find let us see what things we could glean from From this this. story so that we have some things that i'm pretty sure are true yeah um at least you know true enough that people would understand that in the world so yeah, I'll talk I think, about those first. I think also some of these, some of these, um, we can kind of say this is stuff a mantis person would know. This is a story <laughs> told to mantis people. So there's certain things that like like you, you are probably true because the audience would know it to be true. Exactly. So um, first of all, uh, one thing we find out is that there are these beings called Komori, um, which are ancient bat spirits from the time before the fall of the Kami, and after whom the Bat Clan are are named. Yeah, the the Bat Clan specifically was a clan... uh, In the old timeline, they wouldn't have been formed yet. Mm-hmm. I think the founder would be in his twenties or something like that, and but he hasn't done the things that in old law would have made the Bat Clan. We don't know if the Bat Clan already exists. Uh, well, it, it's listed in the list. It's of minor been clans. listed. That's correct. But whether they, that Bat Clan is the same Bat Clan is an interesting question, and we don't know who founded it. Or, so we don't know its current status. But there is a Bat Clan from old law who were associated associated with the Mantis but weren't actually part of the Mantis Great Clan. So we don't know what the situation is right now. All right. And in this story, we learned that these Komori uh, helped uh, the son of Asano Wo, the founder of the Mantis, uh, when he and his mother reached the Isles to help them survive. Yeah. Now... There is quite a lot of exaggerated and, and mythical stuff going on about possibly uh, yes. possibly how uh, Lin Mei may be related to or may even yeah. be one of these Komori. Um, in the story, she turns into a cloud of bats, which the Komori yeah. could do. Yeah. Um, now, interestingly, Komori just means bat yes. in Japanese. It's not any special kind of monster. Uh, the, we did meet the most closely associated kind of monster that has a cloud of bats associated the, with right. them, which is the Nodepo that Kikita Kaisen killed in Tactical Maneuvers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I did a whole bunch of research trying to find out if there are any creatures that are like this at all in Southeast Asia, China, Japan, Philippines. Mm. Nope. Uh, actually, bats are a sign of good fortune, not yeah. uh, not vampires or <laughs> anything like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Asia. I mean, different cultures have different ideas of what these beasties are. So now, and yeah. yeah so so Lin may may or may not be a Cormori spirit herself. She might 
just in inverted commas just be a Kormori Shigenja or one who is taught by those bat spirits and thus can summon the bats or turn into the bats. We don't know, honestly. I don't even know if Lin May's been mentioned before. Okay. I haven't seen reference to her yet. No, so I like it. I love their relationship. I, in the... I loved it. So anyone who will call Yoritomo on, on his nonsense <laughs> gets instant approval from me, I have to say. I love their relationship. It's just, it's just fantastic. <laughs> so um, other things we learned. Yep. Uh, we learned that, in fact, the world is round, uh, which is... yeah. Actually, a revelation. It could be on carried on the top of, you know, elephants on the back of a giant turtle. For all we know, yeah. Um, but what the world is in fact round, and we know that the continent of Rokugan is that Rokugan is on is in the northern hemisphere. Yep. So because they talk about a star map, where the normal perspective on it would have north up, and the stars are different, and the south is up. So all of the this references to the star map in there means that. For this particular fictional universe, yeah. the world has to be around, and mm-hmm. Rokugan has to be in the Northern Hemisphere, which yes. is amusing to me. And I'm I'm going to put this in the list of things Mantis kids would know, <laughs> because if basically if you sail beyond the horizon, you know that the world is spherical, right? And the Mantis do that all the time, and they go very far north. They go well. I don't actually. Don't, I, don't, I don't know if they go very far north, but they definitely go very far south. So right. they they would know these things. So that's a piece of information that even if this entire story is nonsense, that's a thing that is this must is pretty likely to be true because they're talking to an audience who'd know it. Mm-hmm. So we also get some uh, constellations named the Celestial Pillar of Muenta, which is an interesting one because that must be from the south because that's where it turns out Muenta is. We have some more information about the locations as well, which is neat. But some yeah. constellations are named. So the Celestial Pillar of Muenta, although we don't know what that looks like. Presumably it's a straight line of stars. Could um, be. We have no idea what their Rokugan star map looks like. Is it like ours? Is it completely different? Who knows? Okay, yeah. Uh, so we learned some stuff about some locations. Uh, Muenta, which has been named, or at least the language has been named... Uh, we now know this is a Gaijin Empire south of Bandar. It's a merchant empire, uh, possibly similar to Carthage in the classical Roman era. And it's southwest of the Camarist Caliphate, which is... Uh, so it's a kingdom... That's the kingdom beyond the Burning Sands, which the unicorn deal with. And so southwest of that, exactly how southwest, we don't know, is Muenta. Right, and that's something we learn about in the Unicorn novel. Across the mm. Burning Sand is when we first heard about Moenta, but it's referred to here. Yeah. So uh, We have places in the Ivory Kingdoms, and I'm going to pronounce this very badly, I'm sure. Samyajia and uh, Kiritanamto, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that works for uh, me. Yeah, um, my Hindi is is lacking. So Samyaja is empire in Hindi. So the possibilities exist that these aren't necessarily the actual names; they're just the names that the mantis have picked up for them. And so there could be some confusion because this is a thing that happened. Uh, you get a lot of places that are called river, river, 
because <laughs> what's that? And the native said river. And so, oh, that's the name of it. So I believe the Orinoco River in mm -hmm. South America is River, River, River. <laughs> Something I like, like that. that. Uh, we also learn of uh, Suarama Bay, but I don't think we know where that is, just that there is a bay called that. No, these are all, however, so this... Hindi names. Yeah. So with the Hindi names, we've got a tie into the Ivory yeah. Kingdom. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Kailash Strait is a strait in the Ivory Kingdoms. Um, Kailash is apparently a mountain in India, which is held, which is said to hold Lord Shiva. There you go. We also learn of the Venkar Islands, or at least they're name checked. And then we learn of the Bay of Black Water, which is the ocean near this island where the story takes place, which is near Cranelands. <laughs> so so bits, I thought bits of bits of the outside world are being kind of filled in. Yeah, most of these are just name dropped. We don't learn anything about them, but I think it is useful to know that the Mantis navigate a lot. Mm. In the Ivory Kingdoms, these are multiple locations. This isn't just one point that they've heard of. These are all yeah. places that they go. So they are all over the Ivory Kingdoms. Yeah. What What is actually interesting is that Muenta must be accessible by sea from Rockagan. Which, because because yes. if if we've just learned that because the unicorn apparently knew how to get there by land, and we now know that it's possible to get there by sea. So that's interesting. Right. Well, Moenta is not some place that they had been, but they've seen the star maps for. Mm, I reckon they've been there. <laughs> it could be. They they get around a lot, though. That's pretty yeah. cool. Things that people will know. Well, they talk about, casually, one of the monks going into horse stance, mm -hmm. which is, for anyone who's studied martial arts, this is where you stand with your feet shoulder-width apart, your fists at uh, waist level, and knees well bent for root. And this is a practice form for many, many martial arts. Yeah. And um, they all call it horse stance. My, my understanding is you, it's quite a wide, it's actually wider than uh, shoulder width. Uh-huh. And, and can be really, really wide in some. Uh-huh. And they kind of vary in how wide. It's kind of, it's like, if, you know, it's like you're riding a horse. Right. It's kind of <laughs> the image that you, that you get. Uh, training for your for your back and your legs. <laughs> The shark hunting is a thing that the mantis do, possibly other people as well. Uh, maybe to get shark leather for mantis armor, possibility of shark fin soup, but I don't know about that. <laughs> um, I, I mean, some people eat shark because um, yeah, yeah they're, they're... we don't do that so much now because no. uh, sharks and, are and, and, endangered and shark... high in mercury. But <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah, but I mean, there's also there's shark and shark and shark. I mean, there's there's dogfish, which are basically sharks. And then you go all the way up to great white and basky sharks, and there's loads of things in between. So Who we knows? learn a little bit more. Of, well, this story features the bitter wind again, which mm. is Yoritomo's uh, flagship. Yeah, um, it's been referred to often, and we learn that it is a part gaijin and part mm. Rokugani ship. So this yes. is the highest in naval technology at the time. But what flavor of gaijin? That's an mm, that's a, a question. Idea. That's a very interesting question. Now, I think that for me, one of the most interesting parts is that it uh, very briefly describes Yoritomo's backstory, mm -hmm. and that his backstory hasn't changed from old Pi R. There's the line: 
He defied the assassins that took his family and the imposter he had called father for years. Hmm. So this has not been mentioned, I think, anywhere in um, New 5R. I haven't read all the Mantis stuff. Right. But in old lore, um, his Yoritomo's older brother learned that their father was trading with Gaijin from the Ivory Kingdoms, which was, at that time, forbidden by the emperor. Mm -hmm. So his older brother hired assassins to kill his father. Gaijin assassins to kill his father. Right. And then to take his father's place, thinking he would then kill the imposter later, call him an imposter. And, and... Yeah. This doesn't seem very well thought out to me, but no. it is a mantis plant, so you kind how... of... <sighs> so how well did it go, might I ask? <laughs> well, what happened was, uh, in the attempt, uh, his mother and his two brothers, including the elder brother that did it in the first place, hmm. were killed. Uh, Yoritomo was almost killed. That that was how he got his scar in Old Lore. Right. The assassins did kill his father, but one of the assassins, as originally contracted, took his father's place and raised Yoritomo. Hmm. So then, uh, so he grew up thinking that his father was the only survivor of this attack on his family yeah, and uh, grew up cared for and stuff by this imposter who was a, a gaijin assassin. And then after very many years, uh, Yoritomo reached his genpuku and the imposter was overwhelmed with guilt. Uh, he confessed to Yoritomo what he had done and then threw himself from the battlements and said, okay, you're in charge now, Yoritomo. And that's how... Yoritomo became Daimyo of the Mantis. That's, that is pretty mental. Yeah. So even though that might not be something that the kids know, and it is in Yoritomo's thoughts, yeah, uh, yeah. considering it's the lore from the old story, I it sounds like at least something like that may have actually happened. Yeah, I, 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 yeah it'd be interesting to know just how much of that would have been... Uh, known to your normal kids because i mean the idea that uh somebody um you know the person who's leading the mantis for a long time was a complete imposter that i suspect that got hushed up but... so the alternative is that this is a story being told by mm. told to the kids so it could be that maybe Yoritomo's father had his wife and other kids killed for some reason because he was a sociopath or whatever. Yeah. And then when Yoritomo reached his Genpuku, he killed his father in vengeance for his mother and brothers. Yeah. And then claimed it was an imposter all along, and that's the party line that's being actually shared with the Mantis to explain, you know, yeah. why his father suddenly died. Hmm. So, so yeah, I, big, big question mark <laughs> on this one. Big question mark on it. And, you know, I, I think it could go either way. Yeah. So now, now we go to the bits that um, we have no clue if they're true or not. Some of these things sound really seriously made up nonsense. <laughs> yes. 
the very first part of this describes a volcano made by a mountain spirit fighting and then falling in love with the Lord of Flames. And then the pair of them living in the middle. Um, what is particularly interesting is that the Lord of Flames is apparently a child of Lady Sun who has never been mentioned up until now. That's kind of... Hmm. Well, I mean, in some ways, all creatures are children of Lady Sun. Yeah, but but Lady Sun, it says here, sent down her son, the Lord of Flame. <laughs> so, hmm. Uh, and so these two live in this volcano and they make armaments of peerless craftsmanship for the gods, apparently. <laughs> and then so Yorotoma goes, I'm going there and I'm going to steal things. It does. That's what yeah. Yorotoma does. The mountain is protected by black-sashed monks. Mm -hmm. So we have that. Yep. We don't know if they are... We don't know what they're monks of, as in, are they Rokugani-style monks? Are they some other form of monk? Are they good monks? Are they bad monks? We don't know. Nope. Yeah. Uh, we also don't know if the red jade disc, the heart of the mountain, is true or not. Could all be lies. Uh and we don't know if uh, Damayanti, the Red, the Princess of Pirates in the Ivory Kingdoms, wooed by Yoritomo with a bigger pirate fleet than him, is actually yep. a, a thing. I'm, I'm led. I would, I would bet money that she, if she isn't real, real, real in the fictional universe of Legend of the Five Rings, because we're, we're getting into really confusing things like you know, real in the story. Uh, she, I suspect that she is like a. a a common story among mm -hmm. the Mantis, even if she's completely made up. Love is sneaking suspicion. Uh, Kudaka says at one point, the children of Tenyama, Kagatsuchi, and Yujin are making war. Uh, so Tenyama is Heaven Mountain. Kagatsuchi is the god of fire in Japanese mythology. And Ryujin is a dragon god of the sea in Japanese mythology. So Kudaka, who's a, a Shigenja, by the way, could be speaking anywhere from absolutely literally to metaphorically, as in, you know, the fire mountain, and, the fire and the sea are at war. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, there's actually some very cool footage you can get on, on YouTube or, or wherever of uh, volcanic lava falling into the sea. And that's super cool looking. And that kind of sounds like the children of Tenyama, uh, Kagutsuchi and Ryujin making war. You know, that's, that's, you could, you could imagine that. So is, is it literal as in those are actual spirits are fighting or is it metaphorical? Who knows? Now, one question that came up in discussion is, can you, can anybody actually survive being hit by lava? Mm. So this one I can speak to because I'm a geologist. Ah. At least in my uh, in my long ago career, I went to graduate school in this. Yes, yeah. the answer is that um, when a volcanic eruption occurs, um, the wind picks up globs of lava and stretches them out into thin threads, thin thin little pieces, mm. um, which is called Pele's hair in Hawaii. Um, but. Yeah. It those pieces are basically threads of molten glass. So as long right. as the lava is 
blown and long enough and thin enough and cooled enough, of course you you can be hit by him. I mean, eventually, and it's just being hit by a, a thread of glass. Right, um, it, right. It also can, you can have what this story has of blobs of lava landing on the ship mm. and taking bar- time to burn it. As long as it's gone through the air long enough to cool down a bit, then, yeah. then you can do that. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that depends on exactly the consistency of the lava and how hot it is, because sometimes it's really thick and gloopy, and sometimes it's more thin and runny, and <laughs> all sorts of things can happen. So so it is theoretically possible for Yeritomo to be hidden by some lava and have it just give him a dashing scar and not burn his entire face off. Yes. So there you go. So that's <laughs> pl- This is a Mythbusters kind of plausible... Yes. <laughs> thing going down. Not not definite, but eh, plausible. <laughs> uh, the volcano erupts due to Yoritomo's shenanigans. And that eruption causes a tsunami. Which has led many to wonder whether or not this is the tsunami that wreaked havoc on the crane. I keep thinking that there's, be there's been... There's been one very, very bad, terrible, awful day, and it's mm. not just Yoshi's one. But, uh, you know, you've got Yoritomo fleeing from a volcano. At the same time, the Asawa Master of Water is trying to pacify <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I can totally get it. The, yeah, the Elemental Master of Water is trying to do a thing to, to you know, deal with the elemental balance, and suddenly a tsunami roars up. I can totally see, oh no, was that me? Oh goodness, oh no, I've done a bad thing. Whereas in fact it was Yoritomo being a dill brain. <laughs> um, the thing is, talking about the tsunami, is that Yoritomo then says, oh, I then fought the great sea spider and I lobbed the heart of the mountain into its eye. Um, and the great sea spider, this is in old lore, a huge sea spider, Kumo, that lives off the coast of the Cranelands. And if you were to throw a magical artifact into the eye of a great sea spider and it got upset and restless, I suspect that could cause a tsunami off the coast of the Cranelands. So is that what caused the tsunami off the coast? You know, it, is this is everything Yoritomo's fault? <laughs> everything. Everything is Yoritomo's yeah. fault. Oh, but it, it could also just be he knows about the tsunami and he is forming his legend around that more than just saying, yep, that was absolutely totally me. Yeah, as in, you know, it, it, it might not be. This might just be him trying to add to his legend. So it's hard to absolutely. tell. Absolutely. So it was, it was funny. Yeah. But uh, that is a good breakdown of that. We've talked about it for, for a long time, but yeah. we should move on to our other topic. There's so much silly stuff in that story. Yeah, and, and the problem is we don't know how much of that law was true or not, which is just hilarious. So <laughs> we're going to move on. Now, the, actually, Yoritomo trying to boost his legend the way he is does, in fact, make for a reasonably good segue into glory. Because... What he is trying to do is make sure that the Mantis no longer have a reputation of just being pirates, largely by committing acts of piracy. But never mind, let's let's gloss over that. <laughs> so let's have a look at how Glory works right. in Legend of the Five Rings 5th edition. Glory is broadly how well 
or how poorly the rest of the empire views you which is some it seems sometimes it's how good a samurai do people think you are and has anyone ever actually heard of you and sometimes that's a little confusing they seem trying to be both at the same time however right in old 5r there was glory and infamy and they were slightly different indexes Hmm. um and glory is how good you were perceived, and infamy was how bad you were perceived. And at yeah. high values of either, you're well known. Mm. <laughs> However, in New 5R, they're combined into one axis. So yeah. there's only increasingly lower levels of glory. And I can tell why they did that to simplify, but it does make yeah. the famous, infamous bandits uh, a, a little different. It, it's a bit weird, and and the fact that people stop remembering who you are if you start acting outside the realm of samurai-ness. <laughs> bit weird, but I mean, it's it's the alternative there is to have two separate stats: how well known you are and how how well liked you are, and no one wants that. Right. It it unlike honor, it is external. Mm. Um, it is known, and yep. it has it will flavor. All people's interactions with you one way or another so if someone was being notorious i would probably just have it switch to negative interactions with you being known but it doesn't yeah, yeah. have that in the, yeah. in the interaction um let's see most of the common unmaskings hit glory first hmm. um and even the word of hymen or party members so you know, do count for impacting your glory. So even if you're doing it in private, something in private where only the PCs can see it, it will still change your glory score because people gossip. Yeah, yeah. Um, glory, like honor, it should not be stripped without warning. You can either trade it, spend it, or stake it. Just the way, exactly the same way as you can with honor. So if you're going to do a thing and that would cost you glory, you should be told ahead of time. So you make me make a conscious choice. You can also stake glory on things because that's going to be things like um, I'm, I'm trading on my reputation to be allowed to do a thing. I'm, I'm the super glorious guy who everyone's heard about doing amazing things. So I'm definitely going to, I'm definitely good enough to go fight that monster or get that choice position in court or whatever. And I'm staking my glory on this. So, you know, if, if you fail, you lose it. But again, that's a choice that you make. Right. And when for a customary loss for glory, you use, lose your honor rank. Mm -hmm. uh, your glory rank, sorry. Yeah. Um, but you can get glory, yep. uh, especially if you're a PC doing PC things. If you succeed at a Geary which is the thing that your lord told you to do, you should mm -hmm. be getting a glory award of 10 or more. Which is a rank, a rank of glory, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. So that's the main kind of way you can gain glory, apart from just doing exciting and and and, and, and well-known things. But it's also, I think, a good incentive to pursue your giddy because otherwise you kind of, well, I could just pursue my ninja and have zero strife all the time. 
But, ooh, I get glory. Mm, ooh, I think I need to pursue my giri for a bit. So that's, that's I think that's an important thing. Yes. Um, your starting glory is based on your family. So yep. each family has a kind of a reputation. And uh, if you have a high glory family, that means your family yeah. itself is, is more famous than other families. Than yeah. Obviously, that combination of famous and well thought of, because sometimes right. your your family's reputation is they don't fit in particularly well with Bushido and the standard way samurai should be, so they may have a lower glory. Whereas someone who you know, the, those families that epitomise the ideals of a samurai, they're going to have a higher glory. But you can end up with more glory in your character gen if your beliefs line up well with that clan, because you epitomize that clan's reputation so people are able to judge you based off that so they tend to judge you based off that so what are the rewards and you know negatives for glory mm -hmm. well for if you have glory over 65 it gives you a fame advantage um these are all the advantages in the core book that have start with famously famously yep. lucky or wealthy or reliable or honest and because glory is a public-facing asset, this is where people have heard of you mm. and they trust you based on what they have heard, which is yeah. different from the honor ones, which are more internal. This is what you are yeah. internally. So all of these are things where it really would behoove your character for people to know that you were, you were lucky. Yeah. Uh, glory under 20 will give you an infamy disadvantage. So this is hard to get to. I mean, a peasant has glory 25. And Mahotsukai, by the, by the standard rules, is 15. So it's kind of difficult to get to 20 and, and, and below. Uh, the infamy disadvantages are whispers of, so whispers of cruelty, whispers of doom, whispers of failure. Uh, these aren't linked to Bushido directly, but more like what you're uh, likely to do uh, Dark Secret, which is another disad, gives a 10 to 20 point glory loss if exposed. So that might, that's a really good incentive to not have your Dark Secret exposed. Right. So um, glory is often the shuji threat for challenges or mm -hmm. uh, for you know, certain key shuji, like, or using forbidden items also can decrease your, your glory. So it, it's often threatened by things like that. Yeah. Um, the prey on the weak, uh, shuji, you know, you either unmask or it causes a, a glory loss. Um, well of desire causes a glory loss if you refuse a gift. Mm -hmm. um, you get a glory loss for using a forbidden item in public. Um, or using a trade skill in front of a higher status person. Yep. Um, so if you were, you know, sleight of hands in front of someone who's higher status who would disapprove. <laughs> yeah. Then uh, you're 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 hosed. Um, if you're being unmasked uh, by discrediting in an intrigue, you can also lose glory. Mm. Um, you also lose glory for ignoring insults or uh, sharing the credit, admitting lies, backing out of duels, retreating. Lots of things can cause it. Yeah. 
Things that can increase your glory, which is usually adding more if you're gaining glory anyways, uh, there are things like wind blows both ways, dazzling performance, which increases on gains. Uh, using a resplendent item is helpful because everyone remembers that person with the really nice kimono they did that thing. There's a boon of Bishamon on Omamori, and just decisively winning a duel is good for your glory. Uh, especially if your opponent is of high glory. So beating an opponent of high glory in something is good. Marrying up, uh, leading a victory, that kind of thing. Right. And then um, things to do with, you know, bravado is a uh, shuji that can seem to increase your glory. So it lets you fake it. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So it can be fake. This, again, is, is very much about this public face, how you're seen. Yeah, I think that's something Yoritoma is using a lot. <laughs> yes, it is. Lots of bravado going on there. Um, so what are what are the other benefits uh, of glory? Well, courtier's resolve uh, allows you to remove strife equal to your glory rank. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's a handy. big thing. If you get to spend yeah. a void and pop off a lot of glory, a lot of strife, that's that's really good for dueling and for intrigue. So it's it's a big deal. Okay, and the other big thing you do with glory is requisitioning and mm -hmm. um this is actually probably the biggest benefit of uh increasing your glory yeah because requisitioning is how you get stuff uh unless yes. you win it or award it as a gift uh we've had some discussion uh people are not sure whether requisitioning is permanent or temporary yeah. Yeah. Um, and you have to give it back if it's a not consumable item. But uh, in either event, the TN2 requisition stuff is based on its rarity minus glory. And yep. you need that spyglass or you need this uh, you know, special weapon or yeah, you know, three I, barrels I need of pickled special fish. Plated armor. <laughs> Right, With all of all that. The shiny bits. Yeah, all of that comes from from your glory, what you have access to. So yeah. it's good to be able to have high glory, so you can in increase your kit, even if just temporarily for hmm. a mass battle. So that's good stuff. Yeah, so that's glory, an integral part of of the game. And so I think people do need to understand how it works, and I hope that helps people. <laughs> Right. Um, let's see. Uh, we wanted to give a call out to our sister podcast and Patreon. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there's L5R LCG podcast with Trevor Cuba and Zara Agus. And as we mentioned before, the two uh, court games actual play podcast, Crimson Gold Agonies and Fortune and Strife. So there's a whole lot for the fans of L5R and its community to enjoy. Yep. All of our podcasts are funded by the Discord Patreon, which supports our editing costs, as well as our website. And we have a website there for long-term information, summaries of podcasts, RPG tools, articles written by members of the community, resources, all sorts of lovely things. And for our patrons, we also have special bonus content like Adventure Seeds, uh, and hopefully coming up, watch parties and other sorts of cool content.
Yep, and we wanted to give a quick shout out to some of our more long-standing patrons. Uh, Robert Falkinson is the GM for Fortune and Strife. He joined the Patreon on November 24th, 2018. And Charlie J uh, joined August 27th, 2019. So thank you. And some of our newest patrons, Ikoma Tomoya, who joined May 7th, 2020. Nate, who joined May 15th, 2020. And Ross Cranham, who joined May 19th, 2020. So thank you very much for helping to support Core Games. Yes, thank you. Um, you can find more about that at Court Games, all of our stuff at courtgames.pod and on Twitter at courtgames.pod and on Patreon is at Court Games. But yep. that is us for this week. This is Peter Kaori. May the fortunes favor you. And I've been Corval, and until we meet again, keep your jade handy. <laughs> <laughs>